Welcome to the Going for Two podcast. Now, this is a podcast where our analysis isn't based on analytics and is only mostly based on the eye test. I'm one of your hosts, Logan Sartain, here with my co-host and college best friend, Ben Cobb. And Woo. Ben, I, I do want to remind our listeners, you know, guys, calm down. We're not, you know, superstars of the sports talk industry. We're just a couple guys. And that being said, I have two questions. One question, I need you to find to define the word explosibility. <laughs> I was listening to the you know, podcast back, and that was one thing that stuck sure. out to me. The, uh, you know, explosibility is a combination between explosiveness and availability, because mm. what is the best ability? Availability. Availability. That's... So it's not only players that are explosive, but they're always available because they're never hurt. So true. So, so true. That's, that's what I'm going with. <laughs> so the second question I have is, is I'll be answering a question um, that I'm posing to myself, and that is who is Hunter Lawrence? And oh. Hunter Lawrence was a kicker <laughs> for the University of Texas uh, several years back, not to be confused with Trevor Lawrence, <laughs> the quarterback for Clemson. So wait, I gotta ask: Were you were you actually like? I know you're trying to say Trevor Lawrence, but were you saying Hunter Lawrence because he like you actually knew about this kicker that played for Texas? No, I just totally lost that first name. I, okay, I totally I lost say. it. I was like, I know you're a UT fan, but like, wow, that is some dedication. No, and then listening back, I heard you say it like six times. And I'm like, is he trying to tell me? Is that what Ben was trying to do there? Was he trying to hint like, hey, you said the wrong first name, but I'm not going to call you out <laughs> on the podcast. Well, right, 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 right. This is a podcast where we're not afraid to make fun of ourselves. So I'm owning up. And uh, yeah, there was my one mistake. The only mistake I made the whole thing. Yeah, we uh we even made some jabbing at my height uh, <laughs> last podcast too, and I'm just saying, look at uh, Isaiah Thomas. He's very successful, and he is uh, only a little bit taller than me. <laughs> <laughs> so, but... Oh man! Okay. <laughs> On that note, you know what, Ben? Oh, I might get you something for Christmas, but what I can't get you are a few a few oh, inches of height. I, I can't do that. They don't sell that okay. at Target. Um, I haven't checked Amazon yet. I know it's probably on your right, Am- it Amazon wish list, but we'll see about that. You can give me some some like a uh, super tall dress shoes or something. So the plan is to release this podcast on Christmas Eve, and so Merry Christmas Eve to all of our listeners. Because I'm sure Merry Christmas Eve that you have taken time away from spending time with your families to sit down by yourself. And listen to the Going for Two podcast. And I do want to tell you something. Get back out there. Get all your family around you. And tell them about the podcast. Like, you shouldn't be keeping this to yourself. It's the season of giving. That's exactly right. You know, most people gather around not the fireplace anymore. But instead, it's that, like, fire log stream on Netflix Mm -hmm. that you can choose. Mm -hmm. And just have that going on in the background. But the good thing about that is that it doesn't have any talking or anything. So you can just play our podcast when you all are gathered around that virtual fire log, then you're good to go. And we'll be like serenading you with our sports commentary while you are around the fire with your loved ones. And there's, there's, there will be nothing better than listening to me and Logan talking about the NFL. Nothing. Ring in Christmas. Nothing better. Nothing better. So with that in mind and the Christmas and the spirit of giving. We've got some Christmas gifts that we would like to give to NFL teams. We know that they've got a long list of wishes um, that, you know, the owners of the team sat on Santa's lap and wrote him letters and put it in the red post office box. And so, Ben, let's start with the team that might have the most to desire. I don't know if that's the best way to say mm-hmm. that. They've okay. yeah, they've got a long list of things that they probably need, um, and that's the Browns. What are you going to give the Browns for Christmas? Yeah, so we talked a little bit about uh, Browns head coach uh, 
change if, if Freddie Kitchens is going to get fired or not on uh, Black Monday coming up. There's speculation that he is. There's speculation that he won't. But I think it's evident that a great Christmas gift to the Browns would be a new head coach. I mean, okay. when you play the Cardinals and then you're asking uh, multiple players on their team, Jarvis Landry is saying, hey, come get me because you won out of Cleveland. <laughs> oh, you know man. things are pretty bad. The Cardinals I mean, of all teams. Right, exactly. Like you want to go from the from the Browns to Arizona, <laughs> where it's like 150 degrees year round. And I, I just think that the Browns as a whole, you know, they that's they're one of the most enigmatic teams in the league right now because they have such a great core, a young core. Uh, but Freddie Kitchens, I just don't think he knows how to uh, run their team. Um, and to be honest, he seems undisciplined himself. Uh, I, and I'm referencing um, the shirt that he wore mm-hmm. um, about the, the Steelers-Browns brawl um, about a month or so ago. That was just a really immature move by Freddie Kitchens. And to me, that shows that their head coach is undisciplined. And when you have a team with as many players that are kind of divas and there's such volatility in their locker room already and a history of losing and a history of being an undisciplined franchise, you have to have a disciplinarian uh, in their locker room. And that's just not what Freddie Kitchens is. And I don't know if that's what Freddie Kitchens will ever be. Um, And so I think a great Christmas gift to the Browns would be a new head coach. Now, I don't know who that would be. Maybe a Ron Rivera, maybe a Jim Harbaugh if he gets let go. Who knows? But, um, yeah, and, I mean, Tom Coughlin needs a job now, no, you know. No. Oh, Who knows? <laughs> wow. And, you know, there's no more – there's nothing – there's no more of a disciplinarian than Tom Coughlin, you know. I know that, like, that, that was the backlash a couple of years ago, right, with him. And uh, I, I think when he was still with the Giants that they were saying if a meeting started at 9 a.m., the real start time was, like, 8 53 and if you weren't there at 8 53 you were considered late and mm-hmm. like he was hardcore disciplinarian so who knows that's a semi-hot take probably not going to happen but i know what needs to happen for the browns in order for them to have a merry christmas is to get a new head coach for sure for sure and so yeah if you're you know in santa's workshop building that perfect head coach i do think uh discipline is key you know i, I mentioned in the last episode that Jason Garrett might be a good fit. I think a lot of times mm-hmm. his um, his plan to have strict rules and discipline are undermined by Jerry Jones. Um, and, you know, would probably be done the same with the owner of the Browns. He's not got the best track record for staying out of the coach's business. But, yeah, I don't think you're wrong. I think Ron Rivera, man, if you're Ron Rivera, don't aren't you getting a better offer? Than, than the Browns? I, I, I think so. I, I would think so just because of his pedigree and he's had success. And obviously there was a turnover and turmoil with his quarterback situation this year. And I mean, Kyle Allen played well, but still not uh, what they needed. So I, I think if I'm Ron Rivera and I get offered the Browns coaching job, I might stay away from that until uh, and see if I get a better offer just because that microscope is going to be on whoever the Browns coach is, mm-hmm. but you know, who knows Lincoln Riley, huh? mm-hmm. <laughs> if he's, if he's crazy enough. <laughs> I, I mean, again, I think something. I've got to say the Cowboys, you know, have reported interest in Lincoln Riley and are they, yep. they would be a better job. I can, I can firmly sure. say that. But for sure, no. So, you know, disciplinarian deal with the, the problem children of the Browns. I see that logic is the other way to deal with their personalities to go maybe in a polar opposite and to do what the Steelers have had a little bit of success with is a coach that is a, a player friendly coach. The Steelers, the Seahawks as well. Uh, Pete Carroll, not necessarily a disciplinarian, but a player coach, you know, he's he's letting them be themselves. Um, and so to that mm. end, what about a, someone from that Pete Carroll vein and a Chris Richard, who's the passing game coordinator assistant DC, I guess you'd say for the Cowboys um, used to be the defensive coordinator for the Falcon or not for the Falcons for the Seahawks during the Legion of boom era. Um, 
might be able to wrangle those guys in a different way than a disciplinarian, you know, being able to identify with them, get on their level and speak to them man to man and get the most out of those players. What do you, what do you, what are your thoughts about that? Am I completely crazy? I think that's an interesting take. Um, I think that in some situations there are teams that are kind of this undisciplined format and they kind of like to play more of a street ball type atmosphere laid back, like to play like, you know, swag and stuff like that. Uh, And I think that a coach that mirrors that can come in and uh, make the players a lot better and rally around them. So I don't think that there's, I don't think that that argument is without merit. I do think that it would be a bit of a gamble because that is kind of a wild card when you do have a coach who's undisciplined and you do have a coach that um, is more of a player coach. And then the minute they start losing, people are going to say, well, it's just because he's trying to be a player coach. It's just because mm-hmm. he's trying to um, gain popularity with his players. And so I think they've kind of already got that in Freddie kitchens a little bit, um, probably not to the degree that um, some other coaches could offer as far as like, you know, showboating and stuff like that. Like, I think that it might mesh, but I think that if I was um, the Browns, I would want to bring in a head coach who who would bring in some who who would bring a sense of discipline, but not like an overbearing sense of discipline. Because I think that's kind of how you lose the locker room pretty quickly. Um, but but who is that? You know, right? Is that Ron Rivera? It's definitely not Tom Coughlin because that's when you overcompensate, and that's when you lose the locker room again. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, Robert Sala, I mean, there's a lot of good names out there that kind of have this more disciplinary mindset um, that could mesh well with the Browns. But only time will tell. And, and still, who knows if, if Freddie Kitchens is even going to be fired. You know, let's say they go out and win both games by 30 uh, over the next two weeks to end the season and Freddie Kitchens retains his job. It could happen. I mean, I, I haven't heard anything hard and fast about him definitely being let go. Um, I've seen it both ways. So, I don't know. We'll see. But Logan, I do want to stay uh, kind of in the North region of the country and, and ask you for a gift for Christmas this year. What will Santa bring the Minnesota Vikings? Ooh, interesting question. Go Vikes. Um, the Vikings, Vikings. <laughs> the Vikings, you know, they really need one thing to be successful more than anything else this postseason, and that is their bell cow back. So for Mm. Christmas, what I am hypothetically gifting the Minnesota Vikings is a healthy Dalvin Cook. Now, from what I'm seeing, it looks like he's probably going to sit out weeks 16 and 17, which seems pretty wise. Um, If they can garner, you know, probably one win, they're probably safe and they're going to make the playoffs. They're, I believe they're really close to clinching if they haven't already. And by the time this is released, they may have already clinched. But, yeah. So, yeah, sit Dalvin Cook. Let him rest that shoulder. Hmm. Get him treatment. And let him be 100% for the playoffs because that is what they need to be successful. They have to lean on him more than they lean on Kirk Cousins. Um, We know that Kirk Cousins is a – Good quarterback. I mean, that's pretty much undeniable. He's got the the skill set, the um, the attitude, the mental aptitude to to perform at a level that can get this team to a Super Bowl. I I believe that, and I believe there's worse quarterbacks who have won Super Bowls, but not when they lean heavily on that quarterback. So they need mm-hmm. Dalvin Cook to do anything or they won't get out of their first round without that player. Yeah, I think that's a really good take. And I think that the success of the Vikings, like you've mentioned is really contingent upon Dalvin Cook's health. You know, he looked so good this season, but it was obviously so banged up last season that he couldn't really contribute. And that's been a key difference between the Vikings last season and the Vikings this season. Let's say, I know that, hypothetically, you know, you said if basically just now if you had a bet, you think the Vikings without Dalvin Cook would be, or without a healthy Dalvin Cook would be um, kicked out of the playoffs in the first round. But what do you think their ceiling would be? What do you think the limit would be? Would they 
in best case scenario? Would they go out of the first round? Would they make it the second round? Let's say if their backups like uh, Alex Madison and, and those really good backs, because they do have a good backfield behind Dalvin Cook, right? So mm-hmm. if he was out, what's the best case scenario? How far could you see them going? Mm. Um, where Who are they playing the first round? Would it be the Packers? So the NFC playoffs, um, I'm trying to recall from – so they would be right now, they would be uh, in, I believe, the sixth seed is where it's standing out. Um, but let me check. Yeah, so the they would be the sixth seed. Um, so they would be actually playing the Saints. The Saints, yeah. They're, they're not beating the Saints without Dalvin Cook. Yeah. Uh, they're, yeah. they're playing the Packers this week. Um, and they may or may not win without Dalvin Cook, but I don't think they'll win a playoff game against Aaron Rodgers without Dalvin Cook. Um, yeah. So, yeah, those are their two options. And let's just say something strange happens and they're playing the 49ers. Um, still don't see it happening because that's a team that's going to control the ball, control the clock. And if you're putting that, yeah, even with a, a decent backup, there's just there's a huge drop off still, even with a decent backfield behind them. Um, you're not getting those explosive plays from those guys that you're going to get from Dalvin Cook. So, no, I, I think their realistic ceiling is being bounced in the first round. I, I don't see them getting past the first round without Dalvin Cook. Do you think if Dalvin Cook is injured for the next two weeks that – what do you think their chances are that they drop out of that six seed and not making the playoffs? And their remaining schedule is against Green Bay and Chicago. Green Bay and Chicago, and who's who's chasing them from behind? Who's gonna? Is it so, the Rams? Yeah, it's the Rams in the seventh seed, and then the eighth or the eighth uh, spot is the Eagles right now. Yeah, I, the Eagles are not gonna make it uh, unless mm-hmm. they win their division. Um, the Rams. And I don't. I'm not putting any stock in the Rams. I'm putting more faith in the Vikings to win one, at least one game without Dalvin Cook, than I am the Rams to catch and pass the Vikings. So yeah, I, I think that's that's where they'll end up. They're they're gonna get to that first round playoff um, with or without Dalvin Cook. And if they have Dalvin Cook, then then I give them a decent chance to to compete and to win a close game against any of the teams um, in that are division winners, um, whoever they may be matched up against. Right. Right. Yeah. I completely agree with that. I think that it's, if, if you don't have a healthy down cook that bike, I mean, that was, that's been one of the primary differences. Like I said, that's, and if you don't have a healthy down cook, then they may just go back to the Vikings of 2018 and, we all know what happened to the Vikings of 2018 didn't have a great season uh, and entering these playoffs as that same team would just probably not end well in the first round of the playoffs. For sure. So from a team that has lofty expectations for this season to a team that has already looked forward to next season, what are you going to give the Bengals? Yeah. So, for Christmas, I, I feel like this is a, a bad – this is a really good Christmas gift for one team and a really bad Christmas gift for the other party involved in this. Um, but I'm going to go ahead and give the Bengals uh, in their stocking a Joe Burrow. So right now, the Bengals uh, are looking like a lock to get that um, first seed uh, – sorry, not first – they wish first seed. <laughs> uh, first overall pick in the NFL draft in the spring. And so they are in the prime position to be able to take whomever they want. And it looks like they will be able to take Joe Burrow. Um, actually, interestingly enough, I, I was watching, uh, I saw a little, uh, Joe Burrow was on um, like Fox pregame or CBS pregame, one of those two. And uh, he was like taking um, pictures with a Bengals helmet. And I was like, <laughs> wow, I, I, I I feel like that's so premature and I think this was I guess this was the Sunday maybe after he won the Heisman. It's just funny. It's like he he's not even he has two of his most 
important games ever as an LSU Tiger coming up. The Bengals still have two games left in their season, but like everyone's like, oh, it's a foregone conclusion that not only is he did he win the Heisman, but it's a foregone conclusion that he is going to end up a Bengal. Um, and you know, I think we we chat about this last episode if he was going to be successful in the NFL. I think our consensus was that yes, he was going to be successful in the NFL. Zach Taylor uh, was hired as the Bengals head coach to get the most out of the, those offensive weapons. Um, and we saw flashes from some of the offensive weapons that the Bengals have. Um, finally, John Ross looked better at the beginning of the season until they started to get banged up. Joe Mixon has always been consistent in his first two years. So um, we still don't know what's going to happen with A.J. Green, whether or not he comes back. Uh, one of the reasons why Joe Burrow might be a fantastic Christmas gift to the Bengals is not just because – he's Joe Burrow and the Bengals need a quarterback, but because it might entice AJ green to come back. Mm. I'm not sure if it will, but, but it may, um, you know, there's been a lot of players who have come into the NFL and been really successful in their first, uh, in their first year, you know, Baker Mayfield did it, Patrick Mahomes. It wasn't his rookie year, but his first year playing was just phenomenal. And so there's definitely a precedent for someone coming in and lighting the, league up and if i'm aj green it's definitely it, i don't know if it's enough but it's definitely in in the in my head like i'm thinking is this kid real is he gonna set the league on fire next year and do i want to be a part of that so it might be a double christmas gift this year if they get joe burrow who knows that's that's interesting i'm yeah i don't know what aj green is thinking right now I'm not sure where he's at you know i i kind of wonder did the kyler murray um, draft pick have any effect on um, Larry Fitzgerald coming back? Will it get him back mm. for one more season? Could we see that ha- play out in Cincinnati as well? That's that's possible. And I do think they've put some weapons on that offense. And um, with Tyler Boyd coming on strong, I had him in fantasy this year. Early in the season, he was very strong um, on a very unsuccessful team. And uh, Joe Mixon – like you said, John Ross, if he can stay healthy, they've got weapons. If they can build that offensive line, Joe Burrow would have a decent chance at being successful there. And we've, we have seen Cincinnati be successful. It's not like the Browns that have been the worst team in the league literally for the past decade. We saw um, iterations of the Bengals between um, Carson Palmer and Andy Dalton with – uh, some measure of success. We saw a Bengals team, I believe, go 8-0 to start the season with Andy Dalton at quarterback. And we know that Andy Dalton is not a Hall of Famer. He's not even a, a great player. He's he's average. And so that's, you know, if if Joe Burrow is, is all that he's cracked up to be, he could be successful there. And, you know, uh, Zach Taylor, head coach, very unproven. Uh, we have no idea if he's going to work out. Um, but if you, you know, you look at Sean McVay's coaching tree, although it may be very young, um, Matt LaFleur is looking pretty good so far. So that's that's branch number one. Branch number two, we'll see how Zach Taylor plays out. That's right. Yeah, I mean, Zach Taylor was able to get a lot out of Jared Goff last year and then what's removed from that equation now when Jared Goff isn't playing great. Oh, it's Zach Taylor. So who knows, you know, he has an act for turning these younger quarterbacks into a, not, I won't, I won't say superstars, but very good quarterback. So it may happen. It may not. Uh, the Jared Goff thing may have been a fluke. Who knows, but it'll be uh, interesting to watch the Joe Burrow show next year. So Logan, I'm going to go ahead and uh, move to swinging back up so we went from playoff team to definitely not a playoff team and i'm gonna go to a very much playoff team and quite possibly a super bowl contender the baltimore ravens i think it's evident that they were already gifted a christmas gift already (laughs) early this year and lamar jackson but if you had to go ahead and just spoil the Ravens, spoil their wealth of riches, what would you give the Baltimore Ravens for a Christmas gift this Christmas? Well, that's that's a hard one. That's I'm going to go ahead and say this is the hardest team to buy for. 
what do you get the team that has <laughs> everything, right? I mean, they have 12 pro bowlers for crying out loud. That Man. is ridiculous. But there is one thing that they are really hoping for. Like, they're not going to voice it because, you know, John Harbaugh's, uh, you know, a very upstanding citizen. He's a nice guy. He doesn't want to seem spoiled. Like, but there's one thing deep down in his heart. He is jumping up and down saying, Santa, 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 bring me home field advantage. That is what they want. Mm. That is the big thing because they know that they can beat the Patriots when the Patriots are on the road. This iteration of the Patriots. This is not the team with Randy Moss and all those weapons. They've, you know, like you said last time, their weapons are old and slow. And Tom Brady even called them out on the sidelines and was caught doing so. Say, play, say, he was saying, play faster. So that's what the Ravens want. They know that they're going to face a pretty solid AFC championship opponent, whether it be the Chiefs, the Patriots, or even the Texans, all dangerous in their own right. They want to face them at home with their home crowd. Mm. So that's what I'm giving the Ravens. Well, it makes a lot of sense. And I think that home field advantage when you have stadiums and crowds like the Patriots have and the Ravens have, and with the cold weather that can be mixed into it, that home field advantage becomes even more important if you're able to secure that. So I completely agree with you that the Ravens need home field advantage. Um, Do you think they will? That's my question for you. Do you think they will? Right now, the AFC playoff picture looks like uh, the in first place, it is, I believe it's the Patriots. Let me just check my sources. Sorry, I, it is the Ravens with the, the first seed and then the Patriots are the second seed. So do you think they're going to secure that? They've got Cleveland and Pittsburgh remaining, and then the Patriots have Buffalo and Miami remaining. With how well the Ravens are playing right now, I don't think that the Ra- that the Browns and Steelers could combine squads and beat them once out of two games. That's fair, and you got to factor in that Ryan Fitzgerald, or sorry, Ryan Fitzpatrick is going to run all over the uh, New England Patriots, right? <laughs> right, he needs of his course. Team in rushing, or, yeah, yeah. Or, or something. I saw some sort of stat where it was like Ryan Fitzpatrick is actually rushing a lot this year or maybe it's just relative to the rest of his team <laughs> yeah Fitz- so he'll he'll st- that new england patriots defense yeah they're good but you know when ryan fitzpatrick comes running at you man you better beware so for the most part this season we've seen the ryan fitzpatrick that you know you're like get him off my team i don't want that guy as my backup anymore He's trash. We've seen that guy most of the year. You know, for the last two games, I have full confidence that we're going to see Fitz Magic, dresses like Conor McGregor, all the swag, throwing six touchdowns a game. That's what we're going to see. So, yeah, the Patriots, they're toast. They're done. They don't stand a chance against the Dolphins. You know, and I think you make a good point. And I'm looking at the strength of schedules right now. And it's really interesting because just to give some frame of reference, so the Ravens' strength of schedule is um, is 0.5, and then the Patriots' strength of schedule is 0.464. The Steelers have the um, highest strength of schedule in the current playoff teams remaining at mm. 0.607. And with that, the other team that they play other than the Ravens is the Jets. So that, like, shows – with the highest strength of schedule, how good the Ravens are, because not only the Ravens are carrying that load for the strength of schedule because the Jets sure aren't doing it. So it's really showing how difficult the Ravens are uh, to play, um, especially at home, because that's where that Steelers Baltimore game is going to take place. So, I mean, it's just going to be really difficult for the Steelers to get that win. Um, And that's important for them because they're in the sixth seed right now. So they could be on the outside looking in soon. So we've talked about, teams that are clearly playoff teams, teams that are clearly not playoff teams. But this next team, um, I want to know what you're going to give the Rams. And I really want to know, is this for this season or is this really for next season? Like, is this one they're going to rip open the packaging and start playing with right away? Or is this one that, you know, 
they're going to put it up on the shelf and wait and pull it out, uh, say, September next year. Yeah, so the Rams, really what they need is they need a healthy Todd Gurley, but more important than that, and they've, got that, they've gotten that this season somewhat. You know, I, I, I seem like he seems like still every week he's on a pitch count, but they need to use Todd Gurley. I mean, mm. I know he's banged up. I know, but but like in my mind, Sean McVay has two options. He can either run Todd Gurley to the ground and get his use out of Todd Gurley for maybe two or three more years uh, and, until maybe a, hopefully an injury doesn't happen. But, you know, if that does happen with players and he gets wear and tear on those knees and he ends up trading or something, but, or he can keep Gurley on this pitch count and supplement with these subpar backup running backs for the next eight, nine, 10 years and get like subpar production from everyone involved. Mm -hmm. And so if I'm Sean McVay, I'm saying, look, we've got a great player and sure he can be injury prone and I don't want to run him to the ground, but I also need to use him. And that's one of the main differences. I think when we look at the Rams uh, from last year and this year, the Rams used Gurley last year, this year, they're using him a lot less. Um, And because of that, I think that they just need to, have a healthy but use Gurley. And so that's actually a Christmas gift that Sean McVay can give uh, to their own team by putting him in. And, you know, we, we just discussed how they're in the seventh um, spot right now. So with the Vikings, uh, if they lose and the Rams get in somehow, I think that the only way that's going to happen is that they rely on Gurley. Um, mm-hmm. And I know he has a history of being banged up, but they've it, it frustrates me. It really does because I thought – like a lot of people, that Gurley was so amazing coming out of Georgia. And he proved it in his first couple of years. Um, and now I think they're just being too cautious with him. And it's frustrating me to see because that when there are like drives or quarters that they really do rely on him as the bell cow back, first, second, and third down back, he he's great. Mm-hmm. Like he can produce, produce, produce. But it's when you take him out of that rotation, when he's unsure if they're going to rely on him, when you have to put the hands – uh, and an average quarterback like Jared Goff, instead of relying on Gurley, then that's when it starts to become a problem. So I think that the Christmas gift that the Rams need is something Sean McVay can gift them, and he needs to press the button to use, use, use Gurley in the next two weeks to if they want to make the playoffs. It does seem like there's not just the Rams, but a few different teams that are they're playing it the long game a little too much. You know, mm-hmm. you know. We've had we've seen the Cowboys hold on to Jason Garrett for ten years for the sake of consistency. You know we've we've seen uh, the Rams. You know maybe forego this season because they're trying to protect Todd Gurley's long term health. You know I think they. You know we probably need to take a page from the Ravens and say, hey, what's going to work now? What's going to win a Super Bowl for us? And for the Rams, you're 100% right. That is a healthy and used Todd Gurley. Yeah, and I mean, and you think about it, and he's, you know, Todd Gurley is getting the majority of the carries compared to the other running backs, but you still have Malcolm Brown with 59 attempts. You have uh, Daryl Henderson with like almost 40 attempts. So this he's still splitting the level a lot, and it's just, and it seems like they just take him out when and it and it messes up the rotation, it messes up his, um, his kind of game plan. And I mean, you know, you were a football player. You're not sure if you're not sure you're going to play, or you're not sure when you're going to play. It's going to mess things up. So mm-hmm. I think that they just need to use Todd Gurley more. Um, in especially if they want to get in those playoffs. But who knows? There could be some underlying knee, more knee stuff going on. I hope there's not, but we can only get so much of the picture, and then it usually is revealed like a week after. The, the the season's over and I said, oh, Todd Gurley was dealing with such and such injury and right. it all makes sense after that. But until then, it just looks like they're just not using him to the level that they need to use him. Yep. So, Logan, I, I want to ask you, while we're on the subject of really great running backs, uh, one running back who is not underused in his offense is – Ezekiel Elliott of the Dallas Cowboys. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that Zeke jumped into the St. Jude bucket uh, 
was it last year? I think it was last year. Uh, but I think that was for Thanksgiving. But yep. he, he gifted himself, right? He gifted himself to the Cowboys, which, I mean, I think that's kind of how he views himself, to be honest. <laughs> but um, <laughs> So other than Ezekiel Elliott gifting himself to the Dallas Cowboys, what are the Dallas Cowboys going to get for Christmas this year, Logan? Oh, man. The Dallas Cowboys are going to get from me what they truly need. And and that is a new coach. And But unlike the Browns, I do know the perfect coach for the Cowboys. I've got it. Oh? I've got it. And I've already told you my theory of why Jason Garrett has not been fired midseason. And for all the mm-hmm. listeners who aren't spying on Ben and I's texts privately between each other, <laughs> I'll clue you in. The reason Jason Garrett is still there is one, because, yeah, they still do have a chance to make a Super Bowl run, even though that percentage is like 1%. But two, because of a key coach or coaches on their staff that Jerry Jones sees potential in and wants to retain. I don't believe the next head coach is one of those guys, and those guys being Kellen Moore, uh, who's done a pretty good job uh, as OC this year, and Chris Richard, who is an up-and-coming defensive talent in the coaching world. Uh, so I think Jerry wants to retain those guys. So the challenge that you get when you fire a coach midseason is who do you promote to be your interim? Well, you know, maybe you don't promote either of those guys. Maybe you promote Rod Marinelli. He's the senior guy on the staff. You you move him up. Mm-hmm. But then those guys are like, well, screw you, Jerry. Like, you didn't promote me to interim head coach. I'm not going to stay when we get a new mm-hmm. head coach. And they're out. If you promote one of them, then likely the other is probably going to leave. And then if you don't hire the one you promoted to head coach as your full-time head coach, they've got a taste of it. They're not going back. Mm. They're not going back with that same organization. So to preserve the possibility of retaining offensive coordinator Kellen Moore and co-defensive coordinator Chris Richard, Jerry has decided to let Jason coach out this season. He's going to let him go. He's going to bring in the perfect candidate if he can and try to keep maybe both of those guys on the staff. So Mm. I think that perfect guy is a guy that we talked about last episode that can transform quarterbacks. You know, he took a short, less than ideal athletic quarterback that was a walk on and then a transfer to be a walk on and made him a Heisman Heisman trophy winner and a first round pick this this coach then took a baseball player who couldn't make it at Texas A&M as a quarterback and turned him into a Heisman Trophy winner and first round pick then he took a quarterback that got beat out at Alabama because he was quote not a passer more of a runner and turned him into the second place finishing finisher in the Heisman voting and, you know, a, a solid, productive quarterback. And that guy is Lincoln Riley at Oklahoma. He has mm. done – Not Tony Romo? Oh, man. No, not, not quite. <laughs> like, no, I think Tony would be great, but Tony would not be smart to leave his perch yeah. right now. He's got a good gig, yeah. and he's really good at it. Like, That's right. you know, Tony might have fumbled the snap and ruined the Cowboys' playoff chances against Seattle that – that faded year, but uh, he's he's where he needs to be. I won't say any more yeah, about Tony agreed. Romo. We are, I've already ran him over, so there's my <laughs> you know pump up for Tony Romo on this nice. episode. But yeah, Lincoln Riley is what the Cowboys need. He's young, he's fresh, he's an offensive mind. Um, will he be willing to leave Oklahoma? I don't know. I kind of think that when they probably will get bounced in the first round of the playoff by LSU. If you're right and it's a significant margin, does that does he look at that and say, man, I've been here for a few years now. We just keep hitting this wall. Like, I does he look at it and say, I've done what I can and it's time to try a new challenge? Or does he look at it and say, we're just this close? And it, it's hard to say. It's hard to get inside his mind and see what he's thinking. But if I'm gifting Jerry the perfect gift, it's Lincoln Riley. Well, I think that would be – I think all Cowboy fans would love to get that gift this Christmas season. Um, yeah, I think that that's – it's he's difficult to read, right? I mean, he's – and I think that, you know, we talked about last episode that probably Oklahoma is not going to make it past the semifinals in the college football playoffs. And so that would 
meaning that Lincoln Riley would be done coaching for the season. Um, and the Cowboys, who knows what happens with them if they go out first round, then they're going to be looking for a coach. They're going to be looking for someone like Lincoln Riley. But it's really hard. I mean, we've been there's been so many people that have been speculating Lincoln Riley to the NFL, not just this season, but the past few seasons. And I think he's really, I, I truly believe him when he says he's, he's good with Oklahoma. I don't know if that's going to continue to be the case. And I really wonder what's going to happen when they start having a season where they don't produce Heisman winners or Heisman finalists and don't get in the college football playoffs. And then he says, you know what? Well, maybe we had a couple of down years. People are still thinking about me for the NFL. Maybe I'll jump ship and go to the NFL. Well, I still have a a pretty good reputation. Who knows? But that's all contingent upon them having a a subpar season at Oklahoma. And they obviously didn't this season. Mm -hmm. Um, So who knows? I don't, I don't believe that they're going to get that Christmas gift this year, but I do believe that a lot of Dallas fans would be very happy if that were a gift that they received. Who do you, who do you think is a more likely candidate then? Yeah, I mean, for the Cowboys, uh, you know, I do think Jason Garrett gets let go. I think I would probably bet on that if I had to. But, um, you know, I, I don't know. I, the Robert Sala, the 49ers D coordinator, maybe a candidate. Um, there maybe I, you know, I don't know what's going to happen with Jim Harbaugh. Um, I'm not sure if he is going to be let go with Michigan. I, I don't think that would be a very good uh, solution because Jim Harbaugh is just such a, you know, a volatile guy. And he, he's kind of, um, I don't know, he just gets amped up a lot. And, mm-hmm. and it doesn't seem like he'd mesh well with the Dallas Cowboys in that environment, um, especially with like, can you imagine him and Jerry having to work together <laughs> and make decisions together? That would be probably very difficult. But, you know, I'm, I, I, they may look in-house for Rod Marinelli. I don't know. But – I don't think that'll be Lincoln Riley, but um, but I do think it'll be someone, and hopefully not Freddie Kitchens. Yes. Please don't give me Freddie Kitchens. On the same <laughs> note, please don't give me Jim Harbaugh. He whines more than anyone in sports. It, <laughs> oh, he, he frustrates me. And I think Michigan would be dumb for letting him go. I Who else are they going to get? You know, that's, yeah. that's another discussion for another day. Uh, but last one on the – let's say the nice list. I don't know what quantifies as nice and naughty in this uh, exercise, but you know, we're giving the uh, gifts to the nice teams, I guess. And uh, Mm -hmm. somehow making the cut are the Washington racial slurs, otherwise known as the Redskins. (laughs) So what are you giving to the Washington Redskins this year? I am giving to the Washington Redskins a gift that they have wanted for 20 years a gift that they would be enthusiastic about, a gift that would be better than any other gift they could receive, including the first pick in the NFL draft, including a a, a transfer of Patrick Mahomes to uh, (laughs) replace Dwayne Haskins. And I think every single fan would agree with that. This would be the best thing that could possibly happen to the franchise and the history of the franchise. And that is, you guessed it, the fire, the somehow releasing of Dan Snyder. So Ooh. maybe Dan Snyder feels like, oh, well, I just want to sell the team or something, right? Because he's a head on to it. So it's not like uh, Bill Callahan or Bruce Allen can walk up and fire him. So somehow maybe he gets a stir uh, in the middle of the night and wakes up from a dream where he sells the Redskins and flies to um, Jamaica and lives his life on a nice island and never has to worry about people saying that his team is racist or anything like that. But I think that would be a perfect Christmas gift. I believe that uh, Bruce, or excuse me, Dan Snyder has been there since '99. Um, I want to say, mm. and you know, Bruce Allen doesn't make it any better, and just them coming off of each other uh, are kind of very, very um, disruptive to a team that has. I, I really think the team has tried very hard. I think that Jay Gruden, Joe Gibbs. Uh, the, the players they have have tried hard, but I, it's just when you have an owner like that, when it flows from top down, um, that's when it, it really is difficult to, to make any long lasting impact. You know, I mean, their, their best season in the past 20 years is what probably when RG, RG3 won rookie of the year. 
Uh, and they were, mm-hmm. I think they were bounced the first round of the playoffs that year. So it, that just goes to show like it's, he needs to have either change of heart or just sell the team. Unfortunately, I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think that they're going to get their Christmas wish. Uh, but I think every Redskins fan would be very pleased if that were, ha- were to happen. Well, you know, maybe he will decide to sell the team and maybe, you know, a certain guy from New York uh, that owns a certain franchise in New York will will decide to buy it. You know, James Dolan, would would that be an upgrade? <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> I don't know. If, I don't think James Dolan would buy uh, – I, I don't think he would buy a team with the name Redskins. He'd just say, like, oh, no, I don't want to – <laughs> if there's a team that's unlike me, he doesn't want to touch that. So does, I think that they're in good territory when it comes to that oh uh, man. for him not buying the team. Does the new owner, does that come with also a new team name? Yes, it does. What's, what's it's gonna be, They're going to be the Washington Vandals. The Washington Vandals, <laughs> of course. It is yes. better, if only a little bit better. i love it it's not it's kind of like they need to they need to make it uh the uh, um washington washingtons i guess that would washington washingtons yeah there you go that would probably be the best name you just Um, remove the the native american face and you just put you know a quarter right on yeah (laughs) that's 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 exactly right um yeah man you know actually I feel like we do this next time, so I'm gonna call my um, call my mistake. <laughs> when you said uh, James Dolan, you know who I was thinking of? No, who are you? Who are you thinking of? I was thinking of Donald Sterling. Donald Sterling. <laughs> I was thinking, man, Ben knows something about James Dolan that I don't know. I'm not catching this. <laughs> no, I was like, that's why. See, that's why I thought you said it because, like, Donald Sterling, obviously, you know, they're yes, very racist. racist. Yes. And so, like, buying a team called the Redskins, you're probably like hate <laughs> to buy a team called the Redskins. Oh man, no, James Dolan. I don't. I don't know that he's racist. I mean, I know he doesn't like. <laughs> one of the Knicks great players who have not his name not coming to my my head right now. But yeah, he's just a terrible owner just like uh Dan Snyder. So Yeah, we'll probably but both probably James Dolan and Donald Sterling will we'll just keep them away from the Redskins after Dan Snyder sells them. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Well Ben there's there's a certain player in the NBA right now that has just been on fire. And that is Luka Doncic, underrated from the draft, even though he was picked with the third pick um, by the Hawks and then traded to the Mavericks. Um, he's, he's clearly been the best rookie out of that class. And in his only mm. his second year, he's looking like one of the best players in basketball. So I'm going to read you some of his stats, and then ask you a few questions about Luka Doncic and your opinion and your take. So this season, he is averaging 29.3 points per game. He's got a field goal percentage of 48.1, a three-point percentage of 32.6, free throw Mm -hmm. percentage of 80%. Rebounds, 9.6 a game, and assists, 8.9. So he's, he's about a, you know, a rebound, a rebound and assist a game away from nearly being a 30-point triple-double. That's, he's really close to averaging a 30-point triple-double as a second-year player at 20 years old. Mm-hmm. So, Ben, how much... How much Luka Doncic have you honestly watched this season? Honestly, I have watched the highlights on Instagram when I'm scrolling through my feed. And you know what? There's been there actually has been a lot of Luka highlights. So, I'm going to go ahead and say I I watched um a lot of him this season even though I've only seen highlights on Instagram. <laughs> so, yeah, and I I've seen that and I actually uh and we 
we discussed this in our first attempt at our first podcast that will never go live because it wasn't actually recorded. But I went and saw the Mavericks' second or third game against the Portland Trailblazers and saw Luka and the Mavs play and lose by just a couple points. And That's right. Luka, you know, people keep saying, well, he's not that athletic. What, what makes him so good? I heard someone today compare him to Larry Bird. And that's an interesting mm-hmm. comparison. I think the way the whole sport is played is so different now. That's any comparisons from that era to this era are really tough with how prevalent the three-point shot is and how athletic all the players are and, you know, just the whole culture around the game too. But what Luca is like is watching him is like watching your friend play 2K and – He's got that one player on that one team that he just knows exactly that shot. You know, this guy is a 79 rating, but he scores 30 points a game when he plays you in 2K. You know what I'm talking about? So it's <laughs> yeah, like, that's right. It's like Alex, one of her friends, Alex, with the Washington Wizards back in like 2014. He right. knew how to shoot threes that's with right. Trevor Ariza and Otto Porter, oh, man. and those guys no, were okay. terrible, but they just oh, kept gosh. draining threes on all of us. And it was, yeah. what was it, Selvin's favorite player to play with was Nicholas Batum. Oh, and it was gosh. like, you know, what is the guy good at? Nothing. What is he okay at? Everything. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Luka Doncic, watching him play is like watching that. It's like, oh, no, he can't get around that guy. He, he just did. He just did. He's not going to make that floater that's going up. Oh, it went in. Like, right. Is that a trout? Nope, that's a step back. Three-point <laughs> shot. Like, it's incredible. His passes, it, it, it does look like something from 2K because it's like he's facing one direction and he's passing totally opposite. Like, wait a minute. That guy wasn't even looking where he just threw that ball. And, like, right. did he mean to throw it there or was his toggle stick just pointed far to the left and so he threw it? cross court instead of the wide open guy in the paint, you know, that's the kind of yep. stuff that Luca is doing right now. So with that being said, I want to ask you a couple questions. If you had to start an NBA franchise today and you got to mm. pick between these two players to start your franchise with, are you taking Luca Doncic or Giannis Antetokounmpo? Oh, 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 man, that is a tough one. Man. Giannis you is know, 25, Luca is 20. Yep, yep. I, I honestly think most people would probably pick Giannis, but I'm going to have to go with Luca. Mm. And one of the reasons why is because um, I think when you're, when you're building a team – one of the areas that you have to focus on when you think about sustainability and longevity is the ability to stay healthy. Mm-hmm. And both Giannis, I mean, Giannis has shown that, you know, Giannis hasn't been um, injured frequently or anything like that. Um, but Luca, he's more of the unknown since this is only a second year in the league. And so, you know, we really hope that this doesn't happen, but we don't know if he's going to have a, injury plagued career or not because he's only been in the league for two years but what reassures me on that front is that he played professional basketball over in europe right right so he didn't deal with a whole lot of injuries while he was there that i know of and because of that i'm able to say well okay i, I think luca is gonna be on the floor most nights uh and he's a talent i mean he he i think the comparison to larry bird is actually apt and the reason i say that not not that he's as good as larry bird at all um right now but i think luca has kind of like this flow and touch to his game where he yeah he's not overly athletic i mean he's still very athletic but he's not overly compared to the rest of the guys in the nba mm-hmm. but he knows where to position the basketball he knows how to angle his body he knows how to uh, which foot to step back with he knows uh what defender to to shoot over he knows uh where to go on the court so these this kind of mental awareness he has for the game is something I think that he developed playing against uh, professionals in Europe before coming over. Uh, and a lot of the a lot of the guys in college basketball uh, t- 
today that are these one and dones rely on their athleticism. And so they don't have the opportunity and don't have the skill set typically to um, kind of have that more uh, intellectual mindset. They usually rely on more of their athleticism. Um, and I think Luca is the opposite. He relies more on his um, feel for the game, more of the, the intellectual side of playing basketball than his athleticism. Um, although he is very, very athletic. So I would go with Giannis. I mean, sorry, so I would go with Luke. Curveball, right? <laughs> I would go with uh, Luca um, to build my team. I mean, and one of the, one of the huge factors also is um, that five-year. Right. Yeah. Span that he's got on Giannis. I mean, that's, that's huge. You know, five years in the NBA is a, a career. Mm-hmm. And so if I was able to get that out of Luca, uh, especially the way he's playing now, would be phenomenal. Um, so I think that's what I do. Would you share that same sentiment? Would you pick Luca over Giannis? I would. I would agree. Mm-hmm. And like you said, mainly, mainly for that five years. And I do think when you look at Giannis coming into the league, he was a raw prospect, a raw athlete, and is still developing his game. Whereas Luca came in with a very developed professional game. And in mm-hmm. his second season, he's already thriving. He went from rookie of the year to potentially MVP. So that leads mm-hmm. me to my second question. Who's going to win the MVP this year? If you've got to put money on one of these two guys, Giannis Antetokounmpo or Luka Doncic? Yeah. Here, so I- here is uh, Giannis's the Greek Freaks stats this year. Uh, 31.7 points per game. Uh Twelve point eight rebounds and five point three assists. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I, I think that so. Right, I said Luca would be my pick if I was starting a franchise um, between him and Giannis right now. But I, I do think that maybe not who I'd pick if I had a vote, but who I think is going to end up as um, the MVP if I had to guess on Luca or Giannis, I would pick Giannis because I think that um so Harden is leading the league in points, but Giannis is second. Um and then Luca is third. So if you're going by points, Giannis has the advantage. Mm-hmm. Luca's played in two less games than both. Um they are uh the even just from their team perspective, you could make an argument that the West is uh, more difficult than the East. That's debatable, but the Mavericks are third in the Western conference behind the Lakers and the Clippers. Uh, and the Bucks, I believe, are first in the Eastern Conference. So basically the, all the stats that we would really care about are still pointing towards Giannis, and I think that it's going to be interesting because I don't know if winning MVP last year hurts Giannis or hurts or, or, or helps him because he has you know the precedent, and he was this kind of not a no-name, but he wasn't LeBron or KD or Steph status, and then he comes onto the scene, and people love him, and he – wins the MVP. And so now he's, he's lumped in that same category as a superstar because he won the MVP. Um, so now people are going to start thinking about him. Does he deserve to be MVP again? Um, and so I think it does help him because it puts him into that conversation whenever you have an MVP conversation. Um, I think Luca is in the debate as well, but I just think that looking at sheer um, record and, and points, um, you're going to have to go with, with Giannis if, if you are deciding right now who's going to win MVP. Right, and I, I think I have to agree with you. I don't agree with that being what it should be, but I think that's what mm-hmm. it's going to be. Um, the NBA is so – the MVP in the NBA has turned into so much of whose turn is it, who's earned it. It's not about mm-hmm. who actually deserves the award. It's just like, you know – okay, James Harden's put in three incredible seasons. It's his turn. Well, you know, somebody else had a better season. Well, Russell Westbrook averaged a triple-double. Well, that didn't matter the two seasons following that he did it. It only mattered the first time he did it. It's it's just a a sliding scale. You know, they pick and choose how they want to vote on it. Uh, It's so dominated by storylines and the media. I don't love it, but I do see... Luca being slighted because they're going to say, okay, has he earned it? Can you really mm. go from rookie of the year to MVP? You know, and I don't think that's fair. Um, you're, they're going to say that Giannis is on the better team and that 
could only be because he's in the Eastern Conference and he's going to pile up wins against the Hawks and the Knicks, you know? But mm-hmm. it's it's pretty freaking incredible that the Mavericks are third place in the West right now. Like, that's, I know. I know. <laughs> that's insane. It At the beginning really of the is. season, people were still like, oh, yeah, Luka Doncic and Kristaps Porzingis, they're pretty good, but they're not going to make the playoffs. They're not going to beat the Timberwolves. Are they going to be better than the Phoenix Suns? Like, that's crazy that they're third place behind the Lakers and the Clippers, right? Yeah. 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 The teams. That Western Conference, man. Yeah, they really are. I mean, it's phenomenal. I I love how it played out. Um, I don't know if it's going to pan out well for NBA ratings where there's not a dominant two teams. There's going to be, you know, if there's not the big three, nobody has a big three. It's all duos you know it's paul george and Kawhi leonard it's uh, lebron james and anthony davis it's uh, next year it'll be Kyrie and kd um for yeah. the mavs it's chris stops and luca and mm-hmm. yeah i i think and there's still a lot of season to be played but right now i'm giving my vote in mvp which i do not have and nor will i ever have will go to luca Doncic. So my wow. final question like about yeah. this, and, and we can wrap this up pretty quickly. Who is the better player right now? Oh. Man, that is a tough one. But I, I think the better player probably is the player, as much as I want to say Luca, because he's so fun to watch. But the better player is the player who can score more. And I think that right now it's Giannis. He's, he's able to put up more points. Uh, and and at the end of the day, points aren't what only matters, but points and wins matter a whole lot combined. And Giannis is more than that. So I, I think Giannis is. Uh, I think they're both great. I think that Luca could easily surpass Giannis within this year of being a better player. Mm-hmm. And I, probably a lot of people think Luca is better already. But I still think that you know they're definitely. Uh, I think that they're both in the top tier. Um, you know, I would put them within the top you know, five to 10 best players in the league right now. But I think John just has a little bit of leg up on <clears throat> Luca right now. Interesting. Interesting. I'm going to ask you a question that I think I already know the answer to because of <clears throat> your answer to this question, LeBron or Kobe. I'm interested to see what you think I'm going to say. So, but I, I have a, I have a clear um, opinion on this. Like it's, it's pretty refined. Um, but I think LeBron. I think okay. LeBron okay. Kobe. You, you proved me Wait, wrong. Is that what you thought? Did no, I, I okay, thought you well. were going to say Kobe because I feel like the Kobe supporters are going to say uh, Giannis is the better player. And I would, uh, because, you know, he's a scorer. He is. And like you said, you it seemed like you weighted your argument with scoring is the most important. Sure. And in my uh, analysis, scoring is not. It is the most important, but is it does not weigh as heavy, I think. Because I mm-hmm. think for uh, Luca, you know, a big part of his game is facilitating and he's sure. a he's a master at it. He's he he knows exactly where everyone is on the floor and he's getting the most out of players like Seth Curry and Maxi Kleba, you know, and mm-hmm. Giannis mm-hmm. is only averaging, you know, five let me look at it. 5.3 assists per game where Luca is averaging 8.9. So, you know, that's, yeah. that's where I give the edge to Luca, you know, their points per game and, and wins. I think uh, wins is a skewed stat because of the conferences um, points per game, 31 to 29. Yeah. It, it, I mean, that's significant, but I lean towards the all around player, you know, and in yeah. the, and the best that. player in the that. league right now argument, I lean towards Kawhi Leonard for that, not because of his hmm. facili- able ability to facilitate, but his defensive prowess. Uh, right. But between these two up-and-coming um, players, I'm leaning towards Luka for now, for the MVP, and for the future. And it sounds like you're leaning towards Giannis for the now and for the MVP but Luca for the future. Yeah, that's, I think that's a good way to put it. Um, 
I would, yeah, I definitely say Giannis now and Luca for the future. But again, uh, I, I think I'd pick Luca for the future no matter what happens. Um, but I, it could be flipped with Luca now instead of Giannis, depending on what happens in the next few months. Who knows? I could see mm-hmm. myself going that way. Um, so it's 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 going to be fun to watch Luca and throughout his whole career, Europe got to see it for a little bit, and now we'll get to see it. Um, Logan, I'm th- thinking, how about next time we review some Madden players? How does that sound? I think that sounds great. I think we've, you know, once again for our listeners, we've gone longer than we wished. So we, we just like to talk sports. We know? appreciate you sticking it out with us. Um, but our goal is to bring these episodes down to 30 to 45 minutes. Um, you know, right. a good, good car ride, good commute. Um, listen. That's right. Um, but we appreciate Logan, you, I- you listening. And next time we will talk about some of our favorite Madden players. So stay tuned for that. That's right. And I do, before we leave, I do want to give a quick uh, shout out to one of our sponsors. Um, we, we ask that you would uh, tune in to our game, um, our sponsors game, which is going to be, uh, two Saturdays from now, when the Northeast Tech State Winnie the Poos play the South North Agriculture <laughs> University Foot Flops and the Mango Watermelon Sunshine Moon Bowl presented by uh, the Alamo. Again, that's not Alamo rental car. That is presented by the, the Alamo. Alamo. The Alamo. That As is in, remember the Alamo. Remember the Alamo. So be sure you turn in to the, the Winnie the Poos versus the Foot Flops game. That'll be a great bowl game. Um, just like it'll be a great bowl game to watch the uh, college football playoffs as well. I'm really intrigued to see what Donkey Teeth is going to do in that game. You know, Donkey Teeth is he is favorited, but he's coming off that injury, so we're going to have to see what um, some of those other players can supplement him with. Um... <laughs> oh, shower handle! I'm sure shower handle will get get his touches in for sure. No, I believe it, and you know, you never know of the Toyota Rav4s. When when they come on the field, they uh they are gonna run some people down because they are just big and mighty and have park assist. So <laughs> that's right, that's right. They can park in the end zone. All right, good talk. <laughs> great talk, great talk. <laughs> All right, Logan. Well, uh, for our listeners, remember you can find us on Spotify. Anchor and Overcast. We really appreciate if you share the show on any mediums, social media you have. Um, we really want to get the word out there and just get more people listening to our podcast. Again, you can listen uh, or you can write us at goingfor2pod19 at gmail.com if you have any concerns, comments, questions, or quagmires. Um, and don't be shy. Hit me and Logan up on Twitter, social media, whatever it is. At and let us know Logan what you want to hear. At the Logan Sartain, and I don't know, I forget what my Twitter handle is, but I'm sure you can just go to Logan's profile and find out what my Twitter handle is because <laughs> it's some, it's some like B Cobb one permutation, so something like that. Um, so don't be shy. Until next time, Logan, it's been fun. It's been fun. Be safe. Happy holidays. Happy holidays, everyone. Thanks for listening.